0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Zach Blackerby here with you, Painter Sharples of ESPN 1067 at the controls, and Michael Pappas of ESPN 1067. Just chilling on this side of the desk with me. How we doing, gents?
2: I'm well. I can't complain. I don't think Auburn fans can, but I imagine we'll get into that in a moment. Michael? I'm doing great. I had a good weekend. The Browns play tonight,
0: so uh, hope is, is still raining. We'll see about tomorrow, but as of now, I'm doing really well. All right. Well, as far as uh, the team that people go to this podcast
1: about, the Auburn Tigers, 3-0 after dismantling Kent State which we talked about this a little bit last week, guys, you know, with this ridiculous spread, you know, hovering around 35, depending on when in the week you looked and where in the week you looked, they covered. They covered. Auburn took care of business. And really, we've seen this in the past where Auburn has come out flat and then kind of found themselves throughout the course of the game. But they really dominated from the get-go, especially offensively. Their running game appears to be kicking on all cylinders and, that was kind of the question, right? How are they going to do this? I, I really thought the defense was going to dominate, and then the offense was going to take a little bit of time to get going, but that's not what we saw. The defense actually gave up some points early, which is kind of interesting. Scripted drive. I think you're right. I think you're right, but still, it's like, okay, whoever has a scripted drive against Auburn, should they score? And like that's kind of what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they said what they said. Uh, Dinson said it. Davidson said it, I believe, about how scripted drives are going to be stuff you don't see on film. But there are a lot of teams around the country. Like I think Alabama scored on their first drive like every game last year or something like that. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm not that concerned with the Auburn defense giving up a field goal to Kent State.
1: Well, there, there's a lot of talk going into this. Okay, what did Auburn need to do? for this to be successful. And I think it really boiled down to two main things. Painter, the first one of those, was just to dominate on the ground, get that running game going. Bo Nix to not make any mistakes. I think the offense looked good. The bigger thing, and Malzahn touched on it, we'll get to that in just a second, but guys did not stay healthy for this. Prince Tega, you know, I didn't see it reported anywhere prior to the game, but they announced that, okay, Bailey Sharp is going to start at left tackle. He looked great. Then apparently, according to Gus Malzahn, he woke up Sunday morning and he looked at his knee and he's like, something's not right. So he's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of reports kind of leading towards the six-week mark. And so, you know, obviously that's going to affect already, um, you know, uh, in my opinion, a subpar offensive line. And then Derek Brown, he missed some time. He is listed as day-to-day. Same with Prince, Tego and Ogo. So obviously those two guys are extremely important. Uh, Painter, if you would cue up that audio and let's hear uh, this is what Malzahn said Sunday night to media about those injured.
3: A couple injury updates. Uh, First of all, Bailey Sharp um, woke up this morning, his knee was swelled up, and he's going to have to have a uh, procedure done this week, and he's going to be out for six weeks. So that's really tough news. And hate that for him especially uh, with the way he played as far as that goes. Derek Brown you know had an upper body contusion that's he's day-to-day I will know more as the the week goes on. Um, Derek Hall uh, got some some pretty good news uh, from, from him uh, that he won't need any kind of uh, medical procedure or anything like that so I'll say that he's day-to-day too we'll see how that goes as far as uh, the week goes with that. Seth, Seth Williams uh, you know, we'll hope, we're hopeful that he'll, he'll practice Tuesday, so we'll, we'll see where his status is as far as that. And then I think Prince Tega is kind of day-to-day too, and I'll know more once we get to Tuesday as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, just getting prepared, uh, you know, for A&M. Uh, it was a good win for us. Uh, you know, we're 3-0. and That's exactly where we wanted to be at this point. We've got a lot of information um, in all three phases, um, you know, to get the best plan in all three phases moving forward once we get into SEC play.
1: Yeah, so looking at those three guys, or really the four guys that are day-to-day, my prediction is that Seth Williams, Prince Tega, Derek Brown, I believe that they will all play against Texas A&M this weekend. I don't have any inside scoop on that. It's just a hunch that I think those
2: guys could have played Saturday if they needed to. I'm with you. The one I'm actually most concerned about is Seth. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like what you're saying, this has been kept I think is a pretty closely guarded. They're not trying to tip their hand too much. I don't think he'll be a hundred percent. I think he'll play.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think, think. I don't think he'll play.
2: You don't. Uh, that
0: uh, unless it was one of those really lucky situations where he like went down, separated his shoulder, and then when he came back up, it like popped it right back, back in. in. Yeah. Uh, I just don't really see how uh, after that you might be right. That hit he took that he's gonna. I mean. Look, I hope he does. He's a great player. I hope he's okay. It's just, I don't know, man. Uh, That just seems tough to come back from. Yeah, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derek Brown, upper body contusion seems kind of vague, I guess. Uh, All the reports were that he just seemed winded, and so they kind of held him out. And then Tega...
2: It looked like he was warming up fine before the game. Yeah, that was interesting also. Justin commented on social media that... He saw him moving a little bit gingerly. Other than that, though, it, I, I don't think it was – my guess I'm is – I'm glad they held both those guys out. It's yeah. twofold, is that they did not need either of them. They're also both going to be, especially Derek, but I think Prince Tega will also be a, a high-end draft pick, mm-hmm. certainly one of the first couple rounds. Yeah. So I, I think you protect those players, especially in games you don't need them. And it's not – It's a the optics of it aren't good – one, you don't want to injure players. That there's no need for them to be injured in a game that doesn't do much for you. And two, um, some of your most high-profile players, the optics of that wouldn't look great.
1: And I think the, another way to look at it is, okay, Bailey Sharp, he deserves some playing time. An upperclassman. I, I didn't mm-hmm. realize he was a redshirt senior. I didn't realize he was he he had been around that long. But he's a guy that you know he's he's stuck around through this program. And I thought he actually looked pretty good on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, you know, he he exceeded my expectation after following that news and. Obviously, it was against a lesser opponent. But I was really happy with what Bailey Sharp did on the field. And I I, I mean, that's brutal for him to, yeah. to have woken up Sunday morning and realizing there was an issue with his knee. So you hate that for the guy. Hopefully, in six weeks, you know, the upperclassman can come back and continue to be that sixth offensive lineman. So it sounds like if Tego were to go down, the the plan then is to move Driscoll from right tackle to left tackle. And then Broderius ham is that new sixth offensive lineman. And he would be at right tackle. That seems to be the contingency plan if Tega were to go down with whatever this injury is, this nagging injury that he has.
0: I don't I don't really see what else the plan could be. Yeah. If Bailey Sharp's not there to play left tackle, the only other guy I certainly trust to, to guard Bo Nix's blind side is Jack Driscoll.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think those two guys have been clearing away the top two offensive linemen on this team. And then after that, I think there's a pretty tremendous drop-off. I thought what Bailey Sharp did on Saturday, looked better than some of the guards. I, I kind of wonder if he would have gotten a chance to kind of compete for one of those interior spots based on what he did mm-hmm. on Saturday. He looked really good. He he was he was never really out of place. He always kind of you know I don't know he beat his guy he was consistently. Solid, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I was really impressed with him. Also, just talking about the offensive line, I thought Harold had his best game of the year. Just as far as getting to where he needed to be, once again lesser competition. Mm-hmm. But I was putting together my my Auburn GIF thread yesterday. And he stood out on several plays. A lot of the big runs, especially the touchdown run, Booby Willow's first touchdown run. I mean, he buried a guy. He looked really, really impressive to me. So we'll see. It's about to be, the the task is about to get a lot larger uh, in just a few days from now as the Tigers travel to A and M. But hey, maybe maybe this offensive line needed this. You know, maybe they yeah. needed to kind of push some other guys around and get some confidence going. They
0: definitely got thrown into the fire. Uh, I'm just going right into that game against oregon who's a good team a good defense and they they responded well in the second half of both those two games and they responded well for you know dominating this kent state team that they should have dominated i'm interested to hear y'all's takes um as far as the offense as a whole because zach you mentioned earlier what uh what auburn needed to do to uh have this be a successful game, yeah. and I think it was a successful game, and we can get into that after after the ad read.
1: Yeah, yeah. let's take a, a quick look at, at Vivid Seats. You can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you to get you your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. I know a lot of Auburn fans have loved making the trip over to Texas A&M. It sounds like College Station is an incredible game day atmosphere uh, have you have either of you guys made that trek before i have
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely a really cool experience um right now you're going to want to use the promo code because the cheapest tickets are 239 dollars each
1: yeah but it's, that's the cheapest place you're going to find them and you can use promo code kickoff for up to 100 dollars off your order just use the vivid seats app once again promo code kickoff uh that's 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 the best way to score some tickets
0: NCAA Tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Regarding your question about the offense, and Painter, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I kind of already touched on it, but... I mean, uh, what do you think moving forward? I mean, what's this identity look like? Did we see what they want it to be, Painter, uh, as regards to to what it was against Kent State? Is, is this what Gus wants this offense to look like?
2: I think it was, some of it was closer to what we'll see against Texas A&M. Bo keeping the ball I think will be more of a staple, if you will, but I think it'll be, again, in that five to eight range per game. Um, eight actually seems a little high, but I think that there are some games where that could happen. Yeah. Um, he I think as time progresses will continue to be better with his receivers it's been a weird start to the season in that regard because some of his best playmakers have been out and he had not been named the starter long so when you think about getting here in the spring getting acclimated him having a better fall improving pretty drastically from the spring and then those guys getting hurt the timeline's been weird he really hasn't had some of his best playmakers and pass catchers at his disposal Um, in, in terms of running the ball clearly the best effort they've had all season. Right, They ran for almost 500 yards. That's wild. And so do I think that will happen against Texas A&M? No, I think Texas A&M will challenge them, but it does feel much better to see that after Auburn struggled some against Tulane. Mm. I think it is also a reminder that Tulane was probably a much better defensive line in particular than what Kent State had. Yeah, A good reminder that that's actually good news for Auburn because Mm -hmm. that Tulane team... I think was a solid opponent, and you pointed this out, Zach, um, earlier today, I believe. Right. I think, and you you make the point about, about the differences of what you saw between the Tulane game and the week in between.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. You and I were discussing it on uh, on, on my morning show, but I made the comment to Painter. Michael, would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I don't think Auburn's version— of the team that went up against Tulane does what they did against Kent State a few days ago. I, I think that I think it's proof that they got better over the course of the week.
0: I agree with that. I think they definitely got better. And we saw a nice, uh, nice burst on a touchdown run from Cam Martin. He seems fast. The, Dan Peck uh, on after the game was saying that that was the fastest Cam Martin has looked in, in two or three seasons. Yeah, his touchdown
1: uh, run was awesome.
0: Sean Shivers getting getting some big runs in there. Shivers goes for over 100 yards. Zach, I know you were probably excited to see Gatewood go for over 100 yards. He looked great. Um,
1: he got a throw. He got an yeah. uh, attempt to pass, and he nailed it, by the way.
0: Uh, on after the game, Chris Todd was saying that the reason that we probably haven't seen Joey Gatewood very much in the first two games is because when you have a quarterback battle, you don't prep any packages for... The the quote unquote backup quarterback mm-hmm. you you know you're planning for both of them essentially to be the starting quarterback. You're not putting in any wildcat, so to speak, packages for a Joey Gatewood. and so now we might see more of that because they will have been able to find some packages that work and, and put them in during practice, and so now we can see them in games, which I certainly hadn't thought about, but makes sense, makes perfect sense.
1: If there's not a jump pass called for Joey Gatewood at some point this year, I will be shocked.
0: He doesn't need a jump, though. That's fair.
1: That's fair. I still think we'll see it, just for the theatrics of it all.
0: I thought this game checked all the boxes. I mean, the offense found a rhythm.
1: With the exception of staying healthy, I I think you're absolutely right.
0: The offense definitely found a rhythm. They were running the ball. They were throwing the ball. Uh, Bo Nix is going to be upset with himself because he missed two receivers. Uh, You don't want to see Booby Whitlow drop a pass that hits him in the face mask. You know, stuff happens um here's a guy that I
1: was really impressed with I mentioned Markel Harrell but I really liked John Samuel Shanker in the blocking game both in, in the running game but also mm-hmm. w- when guys when guys got downfield I mean he was not afraid to get physical with those guys down the field and get all over those defensive back. I, I guarantee you those DBs hated sh- to see Shanker coming by the end of the game I mean he was he did a really good job really consistent and, and There was also a, who was it, on Gatewood's last touchdown run? It was Matthew Hill. Matthew Hill, they they Mm -hmm. had that motion across, and then Joey was running uh, around right end. Yeah, and then Hill kind of peeled back, and is the reason they scored. And then Schwartz blocking on the edge for one of uh, Bo Nix's touchdown runs. And, I mean, just kind of doing the dirty work. And you know Malzahn loves to see that. I mean, he puts so much of an emphasis on that. Cody Burns coaching those guys up. So that's, uh, that, that was one of my bigger takeaways from it, is seeing the, this selfless attitude from these pass catchers mm-hmm. blocking for their guys. I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Fetch Me. They are run by an alum of Auburn and have the greatest variety of restaurants to order and get your meal delivered in Auburn and Opelika. If you were looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, you need to go to Fetch Me. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including meals from your favorite restaurants, groceries, and coffee. I have to say, FetchMe also has the friendliest and fastest service in town. FetchMe does that because their mission to change the delivery experience by ensuring each order is delicious, accurate, timely, and most of all, you have a great experience. FetchMe is the best in the business. Go check out FetchMe at FetchMeDelivery.com and use promo code FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. That's FetchMe20 for your first delivery free.
0: CAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait! Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And we were all—I think all three of us—whether it was last week on the lunch break or on this podcast. We're saying that we were looking for a receiver to really step up in Seth's Seth's absence and be a, a go-to guy for Bo Nix, and looked like he found one in Eli Stove. Somebody I mean, left the stove on, right? Someone left the stove on the kitchen appliance. Eli Stove <laughs> really, uh, really showed out. He had a great game.
1: That flea flicker was a thing of a beauty, and I, I love that the the television broadcast showed the end zone view, because you can see the linebackers and the safeties, they both took like three or four steps up and you just see Eli run right by him. Like that's, that's how you draw it up. Yeah. That was
0: perfect. And Chris Todd mentioned that earlier in that drive, they ran the same running play Mm -hmm. to set up that flea flicker. And I mean, Chris could not have spoken more highly of Gus Malzahn's ability as an offensive coordinator and a play caller to use plays, whether it's throughout a game or throughout a season to set up other plays. He, uh, Chris Todd thinks that Malzon is, is one of the best in the business doing that.
1: Yeah, and a lot of these guys that, that play for Gus on the other side of it, they talk so highly of him. And then I ask about, you know, okay, well, what's the fan base think? And it's like, man, it, it, he, he knows what he's doing. Gus knows what he's doing. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he's kind of starting to get that moxie back mm-hmm. uh, as he returns to the play calling.
2: With the run game and the success that Auburn had again, we keep using the caveat that it was against a lesser opponent, right? I know that there was a big concern for a lot of fans about how other backs, not named Booby Whitlow, were being used. Y'all's thoughts on, I guess, not just their productivity, but the way they decided to employ the other backs that were not Auburn's lead man. Well, it seems like Cam
1: Martin's the number two guy right now. I mean, he he's the first one to come in when Booby goes to the sideline. I think that's interesting. You know, we we've kind of seen how Malzahn likes to tip his hat. And give some extra clearance to the, the upperclassmen. And we kind of predicted that throughout the offseason. And that seems to be the case with this. And so, you know, you saw that. Sean Shivers, though, when he got his opportunities, found a way to get to 100 yards. I'd love to see more of Shivers, but I just I don't think we're going to with his current setup. I, it'd be interesting to see, like, maybe he's saving him for the SEC as far as some gadget plays to get him in mm-hmm. space. But I'm just not convinced. I, I think Cam Martin's the number two guy on this offense right now.
0: If they continue to use Shivers, this is kind of what I've been saying about him, is he wants to be a between-the-back, uh, between-the-tackles running back. And I think it he is limiting his own touches by wanting to be that. Because if he is the guy, if he'll go in and be like, Coach, I'm good with the jet sweeps. I'm good with these outside sweeps, The uh, maybe the outside powers, outside zone runs. That's where, I mean, he certainly seems to excel, getting himself out in space. And, I mean, he ran over a defensive back during this game. Yeah, And so... It's just to me. If if they continue to use him like that, he'll be great. He, he'll be he, that's a perfect role for him. I just think he wants a bigger role, and I don't know if he's as suited for it as maybe he believes that he is.
1: I don't think he will get a bigger role while Whitlow and Martin are both on the team.
3: I think I think, and, and I think his year true. is
1: next year. I think. I mean, he's got a clear. Cut shot to be the number two guy going in the next season. I think that'll be the case. But
0: I was surprised we didn't see more from DJ Williams in this game. I, I thought they would want to get him some carries.
1: Yeah, he may be, he may be hurt. I know he's been battling a shoulder, so we'll, we'll we'll see about that. And that, maybe that confirms that because yeah. you know we saw we saw some Malik Miller a little bit, and we saw some other guys. But uh, a guy I want to touch on, Anthony Schwartz. We, we I, you know I mentioned him a second ago blocking on the perimeter for Bo Nix uh, I believe it was a second touchdown run. But he entered the stadium with no wrap, no wrist, or anything on his, his hand. And then
2: he came back out in and pads and, and it was wrapped up. So I'm glad they've done this. I got, the timeline may have just worked out and unfortunate that it's about that. Because if you've ever had a break, and obviously different bones take longer time to yeah. heal, and that's probably a pretty small one, but one that he clearly needs. Right. Um, fortunately, I've only ever broken one bone. It was a small bone on my foot, it took about six weeks. And it was fine. I stayed off of it. Like, again, different situation, different part of the body. How'd you break it? I was wrestling at a church. Sweet. I had it coming. But I think the point being, like, six weeks seems pretty reasonable. It's about what it's been at. You didn't need to rush him back. He's been on the field, which is good. If you're an Auburn fan, hopefully he's almost, or if not completely healthy, for the SEC opener when you definitely need him. I think, hopefully, for Auburn fans, the timeline worked out and, you know, they didn't have to rush him back.
1: I wouldn't be shocked if he's ready to go for next week. I, I mean, it, it kind of looks like he's got the game speed mm-hmm. back, and you know, I'm sure he's conditioned now if he's played in a few games. But at the time, it didn't really make sense. But they were playing against teams that they should win. It wasn't a huge liability just to have him on the field. and You just have one catch on Saturday? I'm yeah. trying to
0: I actually have you know, broken we're getting confirmation. a confirmation. Yes, I actually have broken a bone in my hand. I was in a hard cast for six weeks. How'd you break then, it? Um. I was, a fresh, I think, a freshman in high school, and I took a, a lacrosse shot from almost point-blank range right off the hand. Broke Did it
2: take it. a month and a half to heal?
0: Broke it through my glove. Yeah, I was in a hard cast for six weeks and then a soft cast for a couple weeks after that. So, mm-hmm. just the fact that he... Uh,
1: Were you ready to play a and M a a few weeks after, after you got out of the cast?
0: Uh, I was playing high school lacrosse. I mean, obviously it's a little different, but I was playing with the hard cast on, Mm -hmm. um, and then soft cast, same thing. But it was, uh, it's just the fact that he is out there and they feel comfortable enough that he's not going to re injure it running these, catching a pass in the game. I mean, and, and running routes and even blocking really is a testament to how well he is healing. Right. Uh, I, I think he'll be, uh, at least a part of the offense. I mean, one catch, not a huge part in the Kent State game, but I think he'll be much more than a decoy against AM. Auburn still ranked number
1: 8 in the AP poll. I believe the top nine spots, they all stayed the same. Kind of an uneventful college Saturday, with the exception of Felipe Franks uh, yeah. having that gruesome injury, uh, dislocating his ankle against Kentucky. But outside of that, really, I mean, there was a pretty uneventful Weekend Maryland lost to Temple. I mean, I think that, that was. was odd.
0: I think that was the biggest. I had a really upset. bad week of picks. Okay, ended up like three and seven or something. Oh my gosh! Still up on the year. Don't okay. freak out.
1: I'm, all right, I was about um, to lose it.
0: I, I do. I know we're talking about Kent State, but does this Felipe Frank's injury make you feel any better about Auburn going into the swamp? Because I don't really think I feel a lot better. I, the I bat, thought they, I thought they looked better
1: actually after I'm he not, got hurt
0: i'm not convinced that the backup quarterback is is worse than frank it's just
1: different it, it looks like he's better passed or not as mobile that's kind of the the thing but uh, kentucky wins that game if felipe frank stays in there i i fully believe that
0: i don't think felipe franks is very good he's, he, he has not been very good this season at least
1: yeah so i mean y- y- you hate to see it but i mean really? I, I wouldn't it, be it does... shocked if florida kind of goes
2: on a run here i mean it starting to feel like yet again georgia doesn't have m- anyone behind them now mm-hmm. we're only three weeks into the season i mean it's florida i mean if georgia beats florida it's over and like i guess missouri got off to a bad start so i don't want to write them off yet because they were a team that we all thought maybe could be like a, at least a dark horse to push georgia i don't think I, any I th- of us expected us to expected them to beat georgia but at least be there
1: yeah i think you can write missouri off i think you can It depends on which Missouri team
0: shows up. If Missouri from week one shows up, then they're toast. If Missouri from week two shows up, they can compete.
1: I mean South Carolina looked good in the first half. That freshman quarterback, I mean, he's He's the real deal. He's got an arm, but I mean as far as just being on that talent level, I just they don't have it. The
0: biggest surprise for the weekend for me is that Tennessee just blew the doors off Chattanooga.
2: I was waiting for a collapse. I was hopeful. Is Tennessee back?
0: No, Um, I know Chattanooga is an FCS team, but I I mean, I I really thought Chattanooga would at least cover the 28 point spread.
1: Yeah. Whenever you have your feelings heard, like Tennessee has the past two, I mean, it's hard to bounce back from that. Oh, yeah. But they're champions of life, right?
0: I sprinkled a little bit on uh, Chattanooga money line. I money line obviously didn't. What was the line on it? Uh, It was 28 and a half points. The money line was like plus twenty five hundred or something. Oh,
1: you bet on them outright.
0: Yeah, just a little. Just it was a sprinkle. Un poco. All right. A fourth of a unit.
2: Panther record people find you and hear you, boss. Eleven to one. Catch the lunch break with Justin Ferguson and me, and you can follow me on Twitter at pate sharpless. Michael, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato.
0: I'm on the lunch break on Tuesdays, and uh, you can hear me on after the game for two hours after every Auburn football game, and from seven to nine p.m. on the SEC report on Thursdays.
1: Fantastic! You can follow me on Twitter at zblack, or we follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast.
0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.